to start with a question that I want you to answer. That's, that's fine. I want to start with a question that I'm inviting you to answer. I want feedback. What area in your life do you most find yourself seeking advice? In what area of your life do you most find yourself seeking advice in? Anyone? Work. Work? All right, work. Finances. Finances. Wisdom. Wisdom. More. Did I hear war? What was that? More wisdom. More wisdom. Okay, yes. War would be. Movie recommendations. Movie recommendations. Nice. Nice. Anyone else? Any other thoughts? Relationships. Relationships. Studying. Yeah, different topics. Books. Books. All right. You're getting advice from books. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Today we're going to zoom out a bit. When we look at the gospel, we're going to be looking at the gospel. Last week we kind of zoomed in and we looked at one facet of the new status that we have in Jesus Christ. And the good news of God is multifaceted, like a diamond, not just looking at one piece of it, you would miss it, but zooming out, seeing the multifaceted beauty of the gospel. And one of those things is our new status. And last week we talked about uh, moving from shame to honor, right? That in Jesus, our shame has been removed and our honor has been restored. That's good news, right? That's really good news. We're going to zoom out a little bit today and talk about the core, the in general terms of our faith, of the way of our life, and that is the good news. And here is what I want you to hear and why I want us to declare today, that Jesus saves you from the burden of good advice to the transforming power of good news. Jesus saves you from the burden of good advice to the transforming power of good news. We're going to talk about that. There's a difference between good advice and good news. And there's a difference between belief systems and religions that are based on either good advice or good news. Right? Um, the way of Jesus is based and has its foundation upon good news. The announcement that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, lived life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now rules and reigns, making all wrong things right, bringing the world to its completion. That is the good news that our way of life is based upon. And what this good news brings about is the availability of the kingdom of God, of life with God, a shared life with God in the kingdom of God. And the availability of this kingdom, this way, transforms us, right? It gives us a new status, a new heart, a new family, and a new world. That's the good news. Uh, I have been in, I can't believe it, but pastoral ministry full-time since 2002. So is that 16, 17 years? What a gray is. Wow. Oh, Robert, yeah. Let me, give it up for me. All right. So 17 years. 
And through, through that time, I have constantly sought good advice, constantly sought the techniques that would enable me to be kind of a good leader, a good youth pastor, a good associate pastor, a good marriage counselor, a good preacher. Um, one way I used to pursue this was through uh, Willow Creek Leadership Summits, okay? Willow Creek is this huge mega church out of Chicago. It's now experiencing some difficulties. But they would put on these leadership summits, and they would invite the best of the best, according to kind of the world standard of success, to come in and inspire and give advice and techniques to change the world, to cultivate culture, to transform the world. I mean, uh, I, I, and I would go to these. They were live streamed. I never went to Chicago, but they had satellite, you know, uh, expressions all over the nation. And I would go to these, and you'd hear speakers like Colin Powell, Bono, um, the former CEO of Hewlett Packard, uh, Harvard professors, just leaders in the world and in different fields, in the nonprofit world, in the faith world, in the business world. And they would give inspiring speeches. And they would give you these, these techniques that they had implemented that had changed their organizations and that was changing the world, that was bringing water to Africa or bringing development in the developing world. And you would leave, and I just remember writing down, I went to four or five of these things, and every year I would fill up a notebook with the wisdom and the advice and the technique, just write them down. I'm like so excited to bring it back and to like bring it to my youth group or bring it to our church or bring it to whatever I'm, I'm, I'm about. And this inspiration, I would leave inspired, but it would turn to being overwhelmed and then it would lead to guilt because I wasn't implementing any of these things. And then it would lead to shame because I'm like, well, I stink. I'm not changing the world. I'm not changing anyone's life. I'm not I, I just forgot. I've got all these notebooks here and I haven't done anything with any of this. I think our culture is an advice-saturated culture. We're kind of taught to seek out the guru or the expert. In our culture, guru is king. And we go to, the, we go to YouTube, or we go to conferences, or we go to the latest book, or we go to the latest training, or we seek out podcasts. I mean, podcasts are everywhere. Everyone has got input into your life and what you can do. And I find myself going to these things, trying to find the podcast, trying to find the training that will just like revolutionize the, my approach. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. All right. Um, if you're struggling in your marriage or your relationship, you're like, okay, this isn't going well. What books are there on this? Or where's the podcast on marriage? Or if I'm struggling at work, like, what book can I get to, like, implement new strategy, new technique, new interpersonal skills? My relationships aren't going well. So we, we're trained to seek out good advice. And let me, disclaimer here, good advice is not bad. The scripture calls us to seek, there's wisdom in many counselors, right? But there is no power in good advice. And good advice has to be born out of good news. 
Good advice apart from good news has no power and cannot change your life or the lives and the organizations and the people that you love and want to bless. See, good advice, here's what happens. Good advice puts you in the center and you and your techniques as the catalyst for change. And it puts this burden on you to, if I could just implement these two, five, seven, 21 steps, then there would be change. But what good, good news does is it actually decenters you as the catalyst of change and puts a person and an event outside of you, apart from you, as the center and as the catalyst of change from which you can live. So the difference between good news and good advice is good advice has to do with what you should do. Do this. Good news says someone and something has already been done for you. See the difference? What you should do versus what someone or some, someone has already done for you. And so someone has acted decisively in history. Do we know his name? Yeah, that's always the right answer. Jesus has acted decisively in history. Jesus is the person. And his action was his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his rule and reign now on your behalf and for the good of the world, making all things new. So good advice is exhausting. Good news. Good news is freeing. All right, good advice is exhausting. It puts the burden on you. Good news is freeing because of someone else's perfection, someone else's power, and someone else's performance. You are free to live a life of power and of meaning and of purpose. See the difference? Good advice has to flow from good news. If good news is not the foundation of your life, you will live an exhausted, powerless, discouraged life. We need good news in the world, not more good advice. And so I'm proclaiming some good news this morning, this afternoon. I'm still thinking morning. Jesus saves you from the burden, the religious burden of good advice to the transforming power of good news in Jesus Christ. And I've got a slide for this, uh, Elijah. Jesus, this is what Jesus is doing. He is reestablishing a kingdom of renewal, reconciliation, and blessing. That's what's happening. And the good news of Jesus deals with our core needs. Good news deals with your separation from God, your spiritual separation from God. It deals with your relational alienation from other people. And it deals with your physical and emotional estrangement from within yourself. The trauma, the, the, the psychoses, the, 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 the discouragement in yourself. It brings healing to that. Good news of King Jesus is that we can be made right with God. 
We can be made right with others. We can be made right within ourselves. And we can be part of making the world right with God. Like we are invited into this good news. And so, Jesus saves us from the religious burden of good advice to the transforming power of good news. I want to look at this. Um, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, which uh, Carolyn read, but first an overview of Genesis 1 through 3, which gives us the context for this whole problem. All right? Genesis 1 through 3. Uh, we're familiar with the story, but let me just retell it. God creates the world out of, be- out of an overflow of his love, his generosity, his beauty. He creates the world. He speaks it into existence, and all is well. Shalom exists. Perfect harmony, perfect relationship between humanity and God. Humanity and humanity. Humanity and creation. But then we know the story. Humanity rejects their place of honor and dignity and worth and stewardship as vice rulers of the world, right? God gives them commission, be stewards, be fruitful, be multiplied, take care of the earth. We reject that and we say we don't want him to be king over our life. We will rule. And with that comes the brokenness we all experience, the brokenness of our relationship with God, the brokenness of our relationship with others, the brokenness of our relationship with creation, And so comes a fall in status, right? A fall in heart, a fall in family, a broken family in relationships, and a broken world. All creation groans. But there is hope spoken into that very dark moment of human history. Genesis 3.15, God speaks a promise of one to come who would write each of these wrongs, who would restore each of these relationships, who would bring back us, bring us back to God, bring us back into relationship with one another, bring us back into a holistic, healthy relationship with creation. Renew our status. And that person's name is Jesus. And so Jesus comes as a fulfillment of all of Israel's desires, all the people of God's desires. He comes. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Uh, Paul is filling out this story. He's saying this is the fulfillment of this promise that was spoken so many years ago that Jesus, his death and his resurrection, the good news, the announcement of good news is what saves. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2, you can look it up or should be on the screen, Lord willing. 1 Corinthians 1 through 2, I'm just going to read it on the screen too. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, a a culture very much like ours, uh, successful, uh, and uh, lots of crazy stuff going on in Corinth. He says, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel, the good news I preach to you, I proclaim to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to this word. I preach to you. So what do we learn about the gospel here? Any ideas? Just, just, what do we learn about the gospel? What does this say about the good news that Paul preached? I think what Jesus was trying to do is teach us a new way of doing things and being able to love each other and take care of each other. Yeah. So Teresa says, Jesus was teaching us a new way 
So, so take care of each other and to love one another. This good news, what does it do? It's right up there. I'm just, I'm just asking you to like, give me the answer. It saves us, right? And what do we do in the gospel? We, we stand. Very good. Thank you. It's saving us. We're standing in it. It's a firm foundation. It is our salvation. And we're told in Romans, in Romans 1 uh, that it is the power to save. I don't need, need to be ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power to save. So we know that the gospel, this good news proclamation, actually has the power to save, to change our lives, to renew us. All right, then go. So, yeah, go ahead. You know, in the beginning, when the Jews first came, up, when, the, when the Jews first came about, God made all the rules and everything because He had to teach people because they were ignorant, they were just superstitious. So He had to find a way to get them to um, understand what He was doing. But when Jesus came, He had to get rid of all that superstition because we didn't need it anymore because it was so simple. We love God. And we would take care of each other. And there's no churches and the people and gold and all right. that. It was just, you know. That's good. Yes. So God uh, gives the Ten Commandments, and Israel is trying to live faithfully according to the law, right? And Jesus yeah, comes and says, They didn't know what to do. This is what the law is actually about. It's about loving God, loving others, right? Yeah. But we couldn't do it, even in that, as much so as hard as we tried. He had to give some, some, some direction. Yeah. With laws because people didn't know about laws. Right. It was like when they came out of the cage, people didn't know what to take care of themselves. So they had to learn, they had to do all these particular things, and then when they got better, then they built buildings and they had towns. You know right. I mean? Yes, I do. It's good. And so Jesus comes and says, These rules, the rule following isn't what saves you. The good news of my arrival, my death, resurrection, and return. Saves you. Verses 3 and 4. Thanks, Therese. Verses 3 and 4. Paul continues. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried. Uh oh. That he was buried. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. <laughs> and last of all, we're going to stop there. <laughs> all right. We're, well, actually, one second, Therese. Let me finish this part and we can come back around. So, with that, verses 3 through 4 there, can you go back to verses 3 through 4? I'm sorry. <coughs> this tells us that we have a new status. I'm just, we're giving an overview here. A new status because of Jesus. This good news includes a shift in status from being one in sin to being one cleansed of sin, right? That Jesus came, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, which is what Therese is talking about, right? According to the Hebrew scriptures, according to all that law that showed us that we were sinners, that because of Christ's death and resurrection, we're cleansed of our sins. So there's a new status. And then go to verses 8 through 10, there, Elijah. Thank you. Let's give Elijah a hand. This is hard work. This is Paul's own story. This is Paul's gospel, his personal good news. This is what the gospel has done for him. 
He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he's talking to him about himself, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me, next, was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Here's Paul's story, that he was a murderer of Christians. He would actually go, he was a terrorist. He would go from town to town, hunting down followers of Jesus and killing them. And this is what the gospel did to him. It gave him a new heart. It transformed his life. It transformed his desires. It has the power to save and to transform even a terrorist, right? Even someone hunting down and killing followers of Jesus. He became transformed by the power of the gospel. He was given a new heart, new desires, new aspirations. And then verses 20 through 26, we see that in the gospel that has the power to save, not only does it give new status, new heart, it gives us a new world. This is the power of the resurrection. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits, that means he's the first to come of all those who have fallen asleep. That's a way of saying those who have died. For as by one man came death, that's Adam, by a man, that's Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ first, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ will come. Do you see this? He's the first, but all who trust in him will be raised. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This speaks of the renewal of the world, death itself, death and decay that is has its grip on all of the all of creation will be reversed, will be put to death. Death itself was put to death in Christ's death. That's good news. Can I feel more That's good news. You can say yes, go for it. What I wanted to say was, you know how um, two apologists of Jesus made no noise, nobody really knows what he looked like. Right. Well, Jews, that they were coming along, the prophets of Jesus was there throughout the whole Bible, it but when the Romans, when they got involved with the Romans, they said, the person is coming, you're going to destroy the Romans. It wasn't like that. You know what I'm trying to say? Right, yes, they misunderstood a lot of what yeah, Jesus came to do. Yeah, everybody came to believe, like, just, like Jesus was like different people, right? Right. And then the Jews, they saw the prophecies and what, each one his own perception of what it was. And then when it finally came down to the Romans, they said, oh, the Messiah is going to come and free us from the Romans. Right. It was a different fiction of all the prophecies were. Right. And ultimately, he frees us from all oppressive regimes. Yeah. And all death, even death itself. And so, what we're saying here is uh, this holistic idea of the good news that it transforms 
It gives us a new status. Forgiveness moves us from guilt to innocence, from shame to honor, from, from fear to courage and power. It gives us a new heart, reorienting our desires. We, look, we, want, we don't want the right things. We desire what harms ourselves and what harms other people. That's who we are. But in Christ, he has the power to change those desires, to change that heart, to reorient our hearts, not from harm of others and ourselves, but to love of others and ourselves and of God. He gives us a new family, a new community where those relationships are restored, and a new world that is, by the power of his resurrection, is the, is the seed. His death and his resurrection is the beginning of all things being raised from the dead and being renewed. And so, this good news is a declaration. You don't see Paul giving advice to the Corinthians. You see him declaring what is true, what has been done in Christ. And that is what has the power to save. And so in my life, not you, I am realizing, even as we uh, began this journey of planning this church two years ago, as I look back at the last two years of this journey, I have just, I've been convicted towards the end of last year and coming into this year that I, my first step has often been when I've got a problem or I want to, like, you know, step forward in a new way in the vision that I feel like God's given me, I typically tend to go to advice rather than standing on the good news of what God has done. I typically um, tend to like, okay, well, where's the training that I can get for this? Like, how do I cultivate a culture of people that love Jesus or are on mission with him? Um, how, do I, how do I cultivate a culture of racial uh, diversity and reconciliation? And how do we do this? How do we move forward? Okay, I got to read this book. I got to go to this speaker. I got to go to this conference. I got to watch this YouTube video. I got to figure this out. And none of those things are bad. But if they're divorced from a confidence, a standing firm in the good news proclamation of what Jesus has done and is doing, that good advice will bear no fruit. Does that make sense? It's powerless. In fact, it's not just pow- it has power. It has power to burden and to weigh down because we're left with a bunch of techniques that we try to implement in our own strength without the confident awareness of the fact that Jesus is the one who has acted decisively in history. And he is the one who is acting as king and bringing about the hope, the world that we desire to see. I cannot, we cannot be a community that opens our doors and has open tables and has open hands. We cannot be a community that moves from hostility to hospitality, that moves from being uh, exclusive to embracing. We can't be a community that moves from independence to interdependence. Right? We can't be a community that is truly um, loving one another and overcoming prejudices and discriminations apart from the good news of Jesus Christ, apart from what God has done in Jesus. Because 
without the gospel declaration, even if you achieve some form of justice. We know the history of freeing people from oppression, right? People are freed. The oppressor so often becomes the oppressed. Uh, the oppressed so often becomes the oppressor, apart from the change in heart, apart from the good news of who Jesus is. You can fix marriages and relationships using some techniques and hold, not, you know, fixing things on the surface. But if the heart is not transformed, you will not have a fruitful marriage that is a blessing to both and to the world. We are in desperate need to stand firm in the good news of what Christ has done and in that confidence. And so this year, I've really made a hard shift to start every day and every morning um, proclaiming the good news to myself and proclaiming going to the source of wisdom rather than the derivatives of wisdom, right? Not, remember, we've got a lot to learn from a lot of people and a lot of experiences, but we start with the one who has begun to change the world and will change the world, and that's Jesus and his gospel. And so, transformation is from the spirit, not your skill set. So I want to help you, let's help us think through some of these, some application here as you go through life. Where in your life are you seeking change? Where in your life do you, are you in need of transformation? And the challenge is, the question is, where, to, to whom or to what are you seeking uh, that change? Like, are you going for change? Are you going to advice first and hoping that if you just applied these techniques, everything would change? Or are you standing firm in the good news of what Jesus has done and is doing and living from that? So here's the good news, and I've got slides for these. The, the, this is what the gospel is doing. This is what we can proclaim to ourselves and to the people in our life that we meet on the street, that we meet at work, that we meet uh, in our homes, all right? We need to declare the gospel verbally. And this is how you declare it. All right, God has given us the possibility of new family, of new relationships. So here it is. God is reconciling you in all your relationships. That is what is true. Do you believe that? That because of what Christ has done, he is reconciling you in all your relationships. The power of reconciliation is in what Jesus has done and is doing in the world. So think about those relationships. Is it with a spouse? Is it with your kids? Is it with a friend? Are you estranged from your parents? What, what is it? What's the relationship? Before you seek advice, stand firm in this, that God cares about that relationship more than you do. He hurts because it's severed more than you do. And he has acted decisively in history to make it possible for that relationship to be restored. Start there and move forward. Here's the good news. 
You have a new status because God has put the power of sin to death in your life. God has put the, to death the power of sin in your life. Can I say that one more time? God has put to death the power of sin in your life. So when you feel that pull, that strong pull towards the temptation of lust or towards the temptation of, of acting out in ungodly ways and in anger or to, to buy that thing because it will give you, it, it gives you worth or value. When that tugs at you, it doesn't have power over you. It only has the power that you give it because Christ has killed it. The power of sin has been put to death in you. And so you have the power in Jesus and only in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus, if you've not given your life to Jesus, you, it's very, you ultimately lose to that sinful temptation. But in Jesus, you can say no and walk away. And uh, we, were, we had some people in our home and uh, he, in our MC, and a person shared that he was struggling with anger and with pride and, and acting out in, in unhealthy ways. And know what the gospel proclaimed to that man looks like? You are not a slave. You, you don't have to be a slave to your anger and to your pride. Jesus has put it to death. And because of his resurrection, you can have power over that. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in humility. You can walk in patience. You're not powerless against that. A new heart. Jesus. In Jesus. God has made soft your heart of stone. He's given you new desires and new aspirations. And he's given you the power to turn from idols. And then good new world. New world. God is at work in the world, making all things new, and he invites you to join him on mission. So we can look at the world scene. We can look at the immigration system. We can look at the judicial system. We can look at world hunger and poverty. We can look at injustice and, and uh, evil governments and all throughout the world, and we can say, this feels hopeless, but we can proclaim as we did over Christmas that the light is winning, that the darkness loses, and that the light will overcome, right? That the world is being made new. And that is our hope to work for justice, based on that foundation. Apart from any other foundation, you will grow weary and tired and give up. But on the foundation of what Jesus is doing, we have purpose and we have power to bring forward the mission that God has given us. So we need to proclaim these truths to ourselves. We need to proclaim these truths, this gospel, to our neighbors and to our friends and to our co-workers. We don't need to give, uh, we don't have to, need to start with good advice. We need to start with good proclamation. That is, you have been saved in Jesus from the burden of good advice to the transforming power of good news. And so I want us to um, 
uh, stand up. We're going to sing a few songs in response. And I, I want you to revel, respond in praise to the God who's already acted on your behalf decisively in history. That if you have trusted in Jesus, you are free from the power of sin. If you have trusted in Jesus, you are being, you have a new heart with new desires. If you are trusting in Jesus, you have a new family and you have the hope of reconciled relationships. And so you can step forward in confidence in all of these things, knowing the gospel, the good news that is proclaimed to you. And so as another thing to think about is we sing is in what areas in my life am I defaulting to good advice apart from standing firm in the good news? Make sense? Where am I going? Where is ultimately my hope? Is it in the strategies that I employ? Or is it in the finished and continuing work of Jesus on my behalf? So Lord, I just thank you for your the freedom that you've given us. The new status, the new position. God, the new community, the new family, the new heart to feel and to see and to know you, to worship you and not to worship false gods and idols that lead us astray. God, to have a hope for a new world and to work with you to see the renewal of all things, the reconciliation of all relationships. That we trust you and believe in you. And we want to worship you. In Jesus' name.